On today's show, President Trump cancels the RNC and spends some time with Little League players at the White House. Small children in Portland, they're being encouraged to say, F the police. And Dr. Fauci doesn't know how to throw a baseball. All this and more on today's show. Welcome to the news and why it matters. I'm Hillary Kennedy. I am filling in for America's sweetheart, Sarah Gonzalez. She'll be back next week. But I'm excited because I'm here with two of the most awesome guys on this Friday. Uh, our first guest is Yako Buyans. Uh, you're the founder of a nonprofit that fights sex trafficking and CEO of After Eden Pictures. I know our audience is very familiar with you, but I'm excited because I'm getting to meet you for the first time. I, I'm equally excited, and thank you for standing in. It's nice to meet you. Welcome. I think... Uh, going to be a great show. Thank you. Well, and I had a quick fun question for you guys, too. So, you know, we're getting a return to games at home, like board games and that kind of thing, because people are spending a lot of time with yeah. family. Do you have a favorite? We do. It's, I don't know if Americans know this game. It's called the Rummy Cup. Oh, yeah. I've seen you know, that. Rummy Cup? Yeah. Love that game. And so my kids love the game. And then they love puzzles. One of my girls just, like, we play Rummy Cup. It's kind of like a hybrid between blackjack and go fish almost, but... My okay, game. I'm going to have to try that yeah. then. Yeah. All right, then also Rob Eno. Rob, I'm excited to see you. You're the editor of WTF MSN Newsletter for The Blaze and then also a media critic for Blaze Media. Yeah, and, good to be here. And Rob, what's your game of choice? Um, I'd have to choose out of my 192 in my closet because <laughs> I'm a board game player. That's okay. one of the things I actually... Nice. If it wasn't COVID, right now I'd be on a plane going to the World Board Gaming Championships, but that's not happening. You were so, kidding me. No, no. Like, like, I'm a big board gamer. So my, my favorite right now is a game called Brass Birmingham. Um, Brass but it's, Birmingham. Uh, it's the industrial revolution, industrial revolution in the Midlands centered around Birmingham in... Uh, Wow! So is it this a war strategy? Sorry, uh, is oh, no. it a war strategy game? No, it's it's you're building you're building networks and connecting okay. like um, connecting coal mines and cotton mills and things like that and doing it. So that that's resource my sharing. Right resource and that's it. Yeah. I really just pulled that question out of the air, but I didn't realize I was sitting in the presence of a board game connoisseur. So I'm gonna have to yeah. ask you more about I, this I after literally, the show. Literally have 192 <laughs> in my closet. Uh -huh. I my 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 pantry closet and my linen closet are actually filled with board games, not food and or. Well, now we know linens. what to get you for birthdays and holidays. That's perfect. <laughs> Man doesn't eat. He plays board games. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and, you know, people started playing a lot of games, doing all these things, because stuff has been getting canceled left and right. I mean, weddings and graduations and all these big events. Well, another big event has now been canceled because President Trump canceled the Republican National Convention in Jacksonville. And we have a clip of him talking about that. This afternoon, my political team came to me and laid out our plans for the convention in Jacksonville, Florida. It's a place I love. I love that state. The drawings look absolutely beautiful. I never thought we could have something look so good so fast with everything going on. And everything was going well. A tremendous list of speakers. Thousands of people wanting to uh, be there and, I mean, in some cases, desperately be there. They wanted to attend. People making travel arrangements all over the country, they wanted to be there. The pageantry, the signs, the excitement were really, really top of the line. But I looked at my team and I said, the timing for this event is not right. It's just not right with what's happened recently, the flare-up in Florida. To have a big convention is not the right time. 
All right, so the convention, it was scheduled for August, but critics of the president condemned him and the Republican Party for planning a large in-person convention uh, in a state that had one of the worst increases of coronavirus. The state reported on Thursday it was nearing 400,000 total cases with 5,632 deaths. So what do you think about this decision? Look, he's being responsible as a president. He's damned if you do, you're damned if you don't as this guy, right? He's trying to be responsible. And I commend him for that. But I'll tell you, as a nation, I just, what peeves me is we keep focusing on the wrong thing here. We're focusing on who has the virus. I've got three family members with the virus right now. One ha- is asymptomatic. We need to look at the, the, the volatility of the virus and the death rate of this virus. We have to pay attention to, you know, how severe is it and at what circumstance. Because if you only look at, look, we're testing more people than we've ever tested in human history in this country for any virus. Imagine what would happen if next year we test everybody for potentially having the flu. What do you think those numbers are going to look like? It's going to be 50 million people are going to show you that, yeah, I had the flu, we didn't know. So by looking at just that volume of numbers, and my concern is the left wants to push that number. Show Show me how that diminishes the death rate, because it does. More cases, less less death, right? Mm -hmm. So am I saying we should have a convention? I'd like to get back to normal, personally, 100%. I'm looking forward to football. You know, let's be responsible. Um, I hope this is not a sign that there's no debates, right? That there's, you know, that we are just going into the abyss, the great abyss, and somehow just magically we show up in November and there's a vote for president of the United States. Yeah, like you said, I I think that it was right for him to cancel the convention. And the reason it's right for him to cancel the convention, it's going to be inside. There's going to be a lot of air going around. And they think that the virus is transmitted by air now instead of, you know, touch. And we're all doing hand sanitizer and all that kind of stuff. But you're absolutely right on the death rate, right? Uh, the death rate here in Texas is 156 as of this morning um, per thousand people, um, which is ridiculously lower. It's one of the lowest death rates in the country, even though we have one of the largest spikes. Yeah. And, and what's important about the death rate is seeing it for when it happened, right? If you look at Dallas County's death rate every Tuesday and Friday, Dallas County does like a five pager. At the end of it, they they finally do deaths per date. Mm -hmm. Those deaths per date have cycled between four and six every day for the past three months. There was a little spike up the seven day average. There was a little spike up uh, to, to 10 for like one day and then it went back down. So, so basically, when they, they hold deaths to report all at once, it makes you think that the virus is worse than it is. I've asked the state of Texas. I've not gotten the information from them. I've followed up multiple times. I want to know date of death for all these people, and I want to know date of test. Because if you don't know date of death and you don't know date of test, I have a friend that waited two weeks in North Texas. His wife waited two weeks in North Texas to get a result. She finally came back positive. That number was reported two days ago not on the date that she got the test. Wow. So I, I think that, but back to Trump, he needs, he needs to not have the convention, but he needs to push for debates because yes. Donald Trump and Joe Biden need to be on a stage together yes. because you need to see that dichotomy. I agree. Agreed. Well, Jacksonville, their, their mayor um, and their sheriff praised the decision. So they at least had some, some good things to say about him and said, you know, he's, committed to the safety of Jacksonville, Florida, and the United States of America. So that was good. 
Um, speaking of more election things with Joe Biden, um, Charlemagne the God. I don't know how familiar you guys are with Charlemagne, but um, he's the host of The Breakfast Club and he on uh, the radio show. And he ripped Joe Biden for saying Trump is the first racist president. And his exact words were, shut the F up forever. <laughs> um, he said, I really wish Joe forever. Biden would shut the F up forever and continue to act like he's starring in the movie A Quiet Place, because as soon as he opens his mouth and makes noise, he gets us all killed, okay? Um, he, he has a, a section of his program called Donkey of the Day, and he chose Biden. And he just said, uh, he was upset because Biden said, no sitting president has ever done this. No Republican president has done this. No Democratic president. We've had racists and they've existed. and They've tried to get elected president. He's the first one that has. And Charlemagne, the God, was mad that Biden said that because he's, they had some words before too. He had Biden on his show before. And that was when Biden had that gaffe where he said, if you're not voting for me, then you ain't black. And then he had to kind of backpedal and apologize for that. But Speaking of racists. Right. So what, what do you think about these comments by Charlemagne the God? It's kind of interesting. Well, we, we had slave owning presidents. So we'll go right to that. Right. We had presidents that owned black people as chattel, um, which is horrific. It was a product of the times, but we did. You have Woodrow Wilson, the progressive like God, the, the person that progressives look up to for starting the progressive movement. He was racist. You had Lyndon Baines Johnson, who said, well, you know, if we can get them this welfare, then we'll have their votes forever. That's pretty racist. You had Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who took Japanese people and put them in internment camps. That was pretty racist. You know, you had a whole bunch of presidents up until today that are pretty. Dead. I would I would venture to say that every president we've ever had has had a little bit of racism in them. And that, that's what like the Black Lives Matter movement says that that's what you know, says that everybody, even white people, have a little bit of racism. They don't know what it is to just come out and said, I mean, Joe Biden himself's the one that said, well, you know, you can't go to a 7-Eleven in Delaware without seeing an Indian person own it. I mean, or something like that. I mean, he was praised by George Wallace, who in 1968 took a bunch of southern states so that Richard Nixon became president, one of the biggest segregationists. Joe Biden himself said he always thought Delaware was a confederate state back in the 70s or 80s i mean there, there's for him to say that he was told to say that by somebody he has no idea what he's saying on a daily basis or if he does he just doesn't understand what he's saying it's ridiculous yeah look actually the problem we're seeing in hillary is the same problem we have with COVID: no facts no data nothing is based on facts it's all emotion it's all right brain you know, therapy in this nation at this moment. This is why Hollywood runs amok, because it's all right brain. Nobody actually wants to come back down to data. Joe Biden is the guy that on the Senate floor is talking about how to deal with, you know, the impoverished black community and just imprison them all. Right. Mm -hmm. At this same year, where President Trump is saying, look, there's great opportunities for a black man in New York right now. And if I could, I'd want to be black. This is years ago, pre-president, okay? This is ridiculous. The, the statement of every, every president has racism in human nature. And racism is not skin color, guys. It, your heart's off. Mm -hmm. Your heart is looking at another human being. Because the Jewish nation's been you know, persecuted forever. Your heart's looking at another human being saying, there's no value there, and I'm better than. I don't care if, that's, if you're a Smurf for that matter. Red, white, pink, blue doesn't matter. Your heart's not right. And for that matter, yes, there's been hundreds. But President Trump, let's go to facts again, has done more in his three and a half tumultuous years 
right, for the black population in this country than any president that we've seen since we've been alive, right? He's proactively attacking things like pro-life, right? He's going and saying pro-life matters. Well, what sector of society has been attacked by the Planned Parenthood movement? The black society. Who's behind them? The liberals, right? So, so we can get into this racism thing. I can tie it to a, a, a pro-choice movement versus a pro-life argument. This is the first president in history that stands at the pro-life march and says, every life matters, right? Every baby's life matters. Predominantly over 60% of those lives he was defending were black lives, mm-hmm. right? Ridiculous. Thanks, Charlemagne. You're a champion. Joe Biden should get a pinata and a Mai Tai, get on a boat, <laughs> and just go retire. <laughs> just, yeah. This is, child, this is abuse at this point. They're abusing the man. Yeah, to, to your point with Joe Biden, Joe Biden is the person that wrote the, um, that wrote the, 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 the 1990s crime legislation. That's right. Donald Trump is the one that after 20 years, finally got us to a point where we have criminal justice reform to overturn what Joe Biden did. And that's Barack, something that's and been Barack tried. Obama right, for that and that, that's been something that's been tried for years and has never gotten done until Donald Trump was president. Well, you guys have brought up a great point about that, that it really has become more about what people are feeling instead of actually looking at the hard facts and figuring out who's doing what instead of just saying he's a racist or she's a racist. It's just become all about emotion. All right. So we have a lot more coming up, including more about what Hollywood thinks about our police and defunding the police. We've got a great story for you, so you want to stick around for that. And, um, oh gosh, besides that too, we've got to get to children in Portland being encouraged to say, F the police. Is this what we're teaching our nation's children? It's not what I plan on teaching mine. Kind of shocking video. If you've seen the video, if you've seen it. Welcome back. So we've been hearing a lot from Black Hollywood in 2020, and another one of its stars, Michael B. Jordan, has something to say about our nation's police. So he's come out, and if you don't know who Michael B. Jordan is, he's been in a lot of big-budget Hollywood movies. He played uh, Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther. Um, He's called upon Hollywood to divest from the police and stop promoting authorities that hurt black lives. So he's partnered with the activist group Color of Change, and he contributed to a list of four demands for Hollywood executives to execute in the pursuit of racial justice. So here's what these demands are. Number one, divest from police. Two, invest in anti-racist content. Three, invest in black talent and careers. And four, invest in black communities. Now, he, the list says Hollywood must not use its economic power to prop up local police departments and other authorities who threaten and exploit black lives or promote anti-black practices. Instead, where you can or have build up the power to do so, advocate for alternatives and for reinvestment in black communities. So they're actually advising Hollywood to hire independent security firms instead of using police departments at all of their events. Um, They want to stop all contributions to police unions. They're saying don't rely on police or any other authorities who promote content that normalizes injustice. I mean, the list goes on. 
First of all, do you think people care what these celebrities have to say about this, number one? Um, and then what do you think about this list that they've put out? I think enough people care. I think that we, we're in a celebrity driven culture. Andrew Breitbart always said that it's culture before politics. Um, and I think we're seeing a lot of that right now, especially in these COVID times and with the Black Lives Matter movement and, and things like that. You know, police are I'm I'm not going to tell you that there aren't police that are racist, that that prey on people of color. Um, I mean, there's there's a reason why there's the joke that's horrible driving while black in certain neighborhoods. And it's it's worse up in believe it or not, it's worse in New England than it is in the South. I mean, it's it's New England is much more racist than the South is coming from New England and coming down here. So there, there are reasons there's those stereotypes, because black Americans do get stopped more than white Americans and do end up getting tickets more than white Americans and do end up going to jail uh, for things like not paying child support where a white guy probably will be able to work something out with the court. These things do happen. So I understand that. But what does society look like without somebody to protect the other person? The reason we have a police force is the fundamental role of government is to protect you from getting harmed by somebody else. And that's what the police do. Do do the police need reform in some instances? Absolutely. I mean, we can start with not, you know, civil civil asset forfeiture and they can't take my money for driving down the street because I happen to have two grand in my pocket and there's no reason that anybody would have two grand in their pocket. You want to stop the preying on black communities. Stop that practice where they where they do that all the time and disproportionately to people of color. Um, There are real reform things, but to just blanket say we're not going to have the police come seems a little simplistic to me. Mm -hmm. Okay, here we go. Yes, they listen. That particular community listens. Michael, you're doing a great job in Creed as an actor, but you're off, buddy. I'm so tired, Hillary. I I teach my children this. When you identify a problem in the house, even if there's a spill, Come to me and tell, give me options to fix it. Right? It's so easy to say, defund the police. Come give me, I haven't heard a single constructive idea from the left. How would you replace the police? When grandma, who's 92, who fell, calls 911 2 o'clock in the morning. Who's coming to help her? Who's coming to help when there's a breaking and entry? And then oh, your, your, your local you know, private security service, how's that going to hold up in court? How's that arrest? Where are you taking that guy? Where's the jail? Can we just dive a little deeper past the emotional state again? What are you replacing it with? Oh, nothing. We saw that, right, in Seattle. You replace it with nothing. Get the police out of here so we can kill our own people. Oh, and now who's the law? We're the law. But now the law is killing the people. I thought you had a problem with that, right? So this is another guy spewing off with no solutions. It's just defund them. Get the police out. It will not stop racism. Hear me today, I'm from South Africa. We changed our national flag. We changed our national anthem. We changed street names. We wiped history from the books. We toppled every single statue. And guess what? We're no better today. We're no better because they did not have a round table situation where everybody took ownership. Everybody, mm-hmm. including the black community. Everybody takes ownership and say, this is my contribution. We got to go forward as one nation and we got to fix this and bring real solutions to the table, not just defund them. Oh, by the way, you should invest in, in, in black entertainment content. You just slipped that in there. Sure, we should invest in black entertainment content, but you want to take the police away here. 
You want children to be unsafe. You want gangs to run the street in that city. Have you been downtown Los Angeles lately? Looks like third world Africa. People are defecating on the streets. Okay? Who's going who's to police that again? Right? It's, ridic- it's reckless to say, rip the carpet out from society, and I don't know what we're going to replace it with. Yeah, absolutely. Look, look at Keith Ellison. Keith Ellison uh, said, he's the attorney general of uh, Minnesota, said that, well, if the rape suspect flees the rape, then we really don't need to respond. I saw that. Yeah, that, that's like... But that will get that, that, that's violently ridic- angry. That, that's ridiculous. That he said, but it's, it's the natural worker. evolution of this sort of thing. Think it, about what you just said, logically. Yeah, logically, oh, no emotion. It is the most preposterous statement under the sun. It doesn't make any human. You can't back that up. Right. There's no society that can survive. And he's the attorney general of the state. Well, and while our emotions are still really hot, I've got to get to small children in Portland being encouraged to say F the police. Um, this just was shocking to me. Uh, the National Police Support Fund wrote, law enforcement officers need to make countless life or death decisions every day, and public support for that work is critical. People need to feel confident that police officers have their best interests in mind as they work tirelessly to protect and serve their communities, and a decline in trust and respect mm-hmm. makes it much more difficult for officers to do their jobs. One minute of resistance from a community member during an incident could literally be a matter of life or death. So we have video of these children. Let's take a look. Say it again. Thank you. They are. All right, all right, watch out. All right. What is it? The police. All right. Say it. Power to the people. Power to the people. Thanks, kids. This makes me sick to my stomach. I mean, it, it literally makes me sick to my stomach. What you just showed, what you just showed is the, the, the antithesis of horrible parenting, horrific parenting. That is manipulation of the most innocent of innocents in our society. And I'll say this, and that's going to prove my point. Racism is taught generationally. Mm-hmm. No kid. Let's go round up your son and my kids and put them in a glass box and all ethnicity and throw toys in. You know what they do? They play with each other. Yes. They don't care unless mom says F the police. Now mom's indoctrinating that child. Now it's F the police. That child hasn't had an experience with the police yet. That child doesn't have the, the brain capacity to even form opinion yet. Yes. Now that child's going to be a 16-year-old that go, oh, F the police. Why? What happened to you? Well, nothing happened to me. My mom taught me after police. Why don't you teach your child? This is the greatest nation on earth. We need to unite. Injustice was done for sure. It's real. It's very real. But we're not going to look in the rear view mirror anymore. We're going to come into the present and go forward as a name. Why don't you teach your child that horrific parenting? And by the way, can we just talk about the language they're teaching their children? Mm-hmm. So if they can say after police, so the first time a friend does something they don't like, well, F you. We're not going to resolve this matter. We're not going to le- learn conflict resolution. We're not going to take ownership. No, just F them. F the world. F everybody. It's, yep. it's insane. It's, it's not just this, right? This is the latest manifestation of it. If you remember the Women's March um, after Trump was elected, 
you had wives with their like 12 year old daughters saying, you know, I'm a slut signs on them and stuff like that. The, 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 the use of the use of children for these sorts of things is not a new thing with the left. They, it's something that they do over and over and again. It's exploitative. It's I should be more shocked at this than I am, yeah. mm-hmm. but I'm not. It's just because where we're going as a society and, you know, I don't know how to stop it. And I wish I did because that's like the gazillion dollar question. But we're just being torn apart at the seams mm-hmm. and it continues to go on every day. And then you have the media say things like there's, oh, it's 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 just a movement that says Black Lives Matter. I saw in PolitiFact yesterday um, they were like, well, you know, yeah, one of the founders of the Black Lives Matter movement was a committed Marxist. So, yeah, you, you, you got them there. But not everybody that supports Black Lives Matter is a Marxist. So that means the movement's not a Marxist, is not a Marxist movement. Like, like that was their reasoning right. for the fact check. And the media puts, the, you know, puts them up, puts them on a pedestal. And when Donald Trump sends in troops to protect buildings that are getting destroyed by anarchists, they say that Donald Trump's the person that's doing the wrong thing. The, the media is, is, is doing this. They're multiplying it. They want it because division sells. Right. And they get more clicks and views. Well, I'm just hopeful that there are a lot more parents out there that we far outweigh those we just watched that are teaching our children respect and thanking people for their service and protecting us because respect goes a long way in life. All right, so we've got some more coming up next uh, about superstar Dr. Fauci. That's all coming up after the break. Put my mask on on my chin. Right. Well, it's just with Dr. Fauci, it's so interesting how it's gone. Has anybody else noticed that Dr. Fauci is kind of everywhere these days, not just at the press briefings or doing interviews about covid but in your friendly neighborhood store as a bobblehead or <laughs> or he also uh, was the one throwing out the opening season first pitch at Nationals Park uh, on Thursday night. People said it was uh, socially distant <laughs> from the catcher. So not the best pitch we've ever seen. Um, Bob Uecker might have said it's just a bit outside, just a bit. And then also, people were noticing that he had his mask off at the game. Now, I believe he's sitting next to his wife there. We, I don't know who the other gentleman next to him is. That guy at least has his mask on. But very interesting that he doesn't have his mask on at all times. But anyway, he, uh, he was asked by the Washington Nationals to throw out the pitch. Um, they said he's been a true companion for our country during the COVID-19 pandemic and throughout his distinguished career. So it was only fitting that we honor him as we kick off the 2020 season and defend our World Series championship title. And, you know, not only has he been asked to throughout this pitch and you see him on bobbleheads, but he also is on the cover of InStyle magazine, which I thought was interesting. Um, he's, you know, kind of wearing a chic outfit and he did an interview with his wife and then uh, Pentatonix, the acapella group also did a song honoring Fauci, which I thought was going to be a parody at first, but no, no, like they really are, are honoring Dr. Fauci. What do you think about this? Because he's, he's kind of reaching a, a celebrity status that's different than what we saw at the beginning of the year. I mean, this is the problem. 
we're not talking facts. We're not talking figures. We're not talking about this many people got it today. Um, we're tested this week, not tests from 20 days ago. This many people died today, not deaths from 20 days ago. It's become this celebrity culture. And that if you, you say anything wrong to some people about Dr. Fauci, who has changed his mind on a number of things in this, that he, first he said, don't wear masks. Then he says, wear a mask. Um, he says, uh, you know, hydroxychloroquine might work. No, it doesn't work. You know, there, there's a bunch of things that he has done throughout this, th- this pandemic And it's not just that. It's his entire career. Right. You go back to the 1980s when AIDS came out. He was the guy saying that the blood supply was 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 good. I had friends in high school, two twins that were not twins, but a year apart from each other were hemophiliacs. One of them died from AIDS because Dr. Fauci said that the blood supply was okay. I mean, the, the man, the media has put him above any criticism that if you criticize him, you're anti science. You don't believe in numbers. This country has experts that we rely on to give advice to leaders. Steve Dace of of the Steve Dace show called him President Fauci in the beginning of it because we basically were doing everything he said. But the problem is, is when you have an epidemiologist, their first reaction is to shut everything down. Right. That's what their first reaction is in a in a complete bubble. That's what they would do. It doesn't take into account the the tens of thousands of people that are going to commit suicide because they can't pay their rent. It doesn't go to the people to the what we have 42 million people out of work right now that, that can't and they're about to lose their $600 extra paycheck. We have a third of Americans that can't pay their their mortgages or their rent. But 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 Fauci's a great guy and, you know, he just wants to you know shut everything down and keep it shut down forever. And then he changed to, well, we might not need the shutdowns again. It's unfathomable what he said. And then the the worst thing was last week when he said New York was a model for how to deal with the coronavirus. (laughs) Andrew Cuomo sent sick COVID people into nursing homes to kill him. Andrew Cuomo killed more people than the 9-11 bomb, than the 9-11 planes going into those towers by his action of sending 6,000 people with COVID into nursing homes. Yet he's the model. He's the model. He's, he's the guy we right. should. Yeah. Yako, what do you think? Y- y- well, I'm on the record on this show so many. I've gone after Fauci more than anybody, right? So I'm going to go again. I don't care about how the guy throws a baseball. He's this big. <laughs> he's not an athlete. He's never played I mean, in his life. It just shows you that he's out of touch a little bit. And maybe that'll humble him a little bit to say, man, there's some other people with talent in the world. But here's the hypocrisy. The left elevate Fauci who's part of the Trump team, okay? But Trump has done a terrible job with COVID. But Fauci's done an incredible job. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're on the same team, right? Between Trump, Pence, and Fauci, and Burks, that's the team. That's the team within the COVID. So what is it? Is it good or is it bad? No, Fauci is great. Trump's, well, we've done everything the guy said, right? To, to the degree one size fits all, which never works in medicine. Mm-hmm. Show me one time where that works. You can't get two people with the same symptoms, right? They, they, they react differently. I call them flip-flop Fauci, like a fish on the dock. Have you ever fished? Yes. Put a fish on the dock, that sucker <laughs> flop. Yeah. Flip-flop Fauci. Here we go. Mask on, mask off. He's also the guy that says, well, we're wearing masks as a social sign to make people feel good. Okay, it, it, to, to bring down the anxiety, that, that's what the New England Journal of Medicine too, said too, right? Like, I, I get a lot of gruff from family members, from people. Cloth masks, just, they don't work. 
they, they're, 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 the holes in between the warp and the weft mm-hmm. are bigger than the, the virus the vi- not, and the droplets that you cough out. Yeah. Right. And if it really is that it's spread through ventilation systems and those sort of things, surgical masks work. I, I think that surgical and medical grade masks work. That's why I wear them. I bought a bunch of disposal ones. I wear those. Right. But I, it's back to your Fauci and the death rate and all of this stuff. I, I did a little exercise last week. I took out the five states. Um, I think it was Connecticut, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, and there was one other state where they sent the nursing home, they sent sick patients into nursing homes. I took out those states, and I looked at the death rate, and I looked at the death rate per okay. per, per million. Mm-hmm. The per capita death rate, if those five states hadn't done that, the United States would be like 40th in the world. We'd be way down in the death rates because we did the right things in the other parts. Because I really want to yeah, know. You're using common sense. You're using mathematics here. Oh, I know. You're, 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 it's yeah. not science-based, though. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It, it, the one thing I want to know, and I really want to know, and I've tried to find the data, is why is Texas's death rate per capita so much less than even Florida or New York or any of the other states? You know, we, we've had some of the highest rates of COVID per capita now. The spikes, yeah. But... We still have 156, which is, you know, a tenth of what any of those states in the Northeast had, really. Why is it so different? And I bet you it's because of what we prescribe. And I'm trying to find out if it's because in Texas, doctors have been prescribing hydroxychloroquine more than in other states. Because they didn't take the thing. I I want to find out what the difference is. Yeah, you got got doctors in Dallas, 251 successful cases. No one died with with an oral steroid. Not through a ventilator, just through a defibrillator at the house, through an inhaler at the house. It's got to be something to do with that. that But but remember, guys, Dr. Fauci is sitting in a high tower. He doesn't see patients. He hasn't seen patients in 15 years, I think. Let's go to the doctors that are actually standing there in a room dealing with patients that has had success around the world. Talk to those guys and you'll see, right? They subscribe to a little bit of a different approach. But, but they're not epidemiologists in, you know, it's science. Well, and if they aren't on the cover of a fashion magazine, they may not can matter. we trust them? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they may not matter. All right. Well, we're not done talking about baseball either. We've, we've got to talk about Donald Trump celebrating the return of baseball. And that's coming up right after the break. I'm a little passionate about New York. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know who's excited about the return of baseball? President Trump. And he celebrated that with some Little League players at the White House. And I think we also have an interview from, uh, from that moment with... The MLB Hall of Famer from the Yankees, Mariano Rivera. This is a really good interview. Let's take a look at that. What does it mean to you as the president of the United States to have baseball back? Well, especially in this time where we have the COVID and we have all of the things going on and we're opening up our country again. So to have baseball back is so, even though it's an abbreviated season, to have baseball back means so much to me and to the country. It's spirit. It's a spirit. It's a time. It's a special time. Usually it's spring. And that means I the know. nice weather. Uh, here we are. It's even beyond spring. I think it's going to work out really great. I hear there's tremendous interest in watching the games. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. A lot. And, and, and plenty of game of baseball. You know, we know that uh, it's a, a American pastime. So, I mean, a lot of people, families, kids, uh, waiting for the game, so right. starting today, tonight, 
It's going to be good. Starting tonight. I think it's going to be good. I'll be watching. I'm going to try and watch a little bit at least. You know what I really liked about this interview is they, it felt normal. It's two people excited about something that's a pastime that we love and bringing it back and just a, a, an excitement about a return to normalcy. So I thought this was cool that even with all the stuff going on with coronavirus, President Trump had those little ears there. He put the glove on, tossed the ball. And, you know, this means a lot to those kids, too. There are so many kids that grow up playing and loving the game. What did you guys think about this? Yeah, Yoko? it's part of American culture, and we need these things. Sport, and, you know, I was, a, I was an athlete, and, and so sport is like glue. Because sport is life, and you can teach so much. These young kids, think about all the moments that these kids would miss where coaches are teaching young boys that don't have fathers about life because that's what happens in Little League. That's what happens in peewee football. It's life. They learn how to interact with friends, how to win, how to lose, all the things we really should be focusing on a nation because those things unite you. When you're on a team, those kids on one team, they learn about unity. They learn about, hey, I'm, if I don't play, you lose. So I better play, and you got to play. And so sport, sport resembles culture. In, in America, baseball is so ingrained in our history. Football, footballs, those are the two sports, America's sports. But sport in general. So I'm excited. I'm also excited for fans to get back. And good for the president to do this. You said it. This is feel good. We need feel good in our country. Mm-hmm. This is real. It's real life. Let's get back to the moms and the dads are celebrating. They go, I'm going stir crazy. I don't know what to do with my kids. <laughs> get back on the baseball field, right? So it's good. I agree. And, and, and rooting for a sports team, it, it's kind of what you were saying. Rooting for a sports team is something that brings people of all different political sides together with a common good. It's something they can talk about. It's something that they can do together um, without. And, and I think that part of why these past few months have been so divisive is there hasn't been a common rooting thing right. that people can do. So I think that, that sports are back. It brings back that that common thing that people of different, you know, I was a Republican in Massachusetts, right? I mean, we all fit in like five phone booths. I don't like to say one. (laughs) There were about five. I I knew where they were. Um, But with my liberal friends, we all love the Red Sox. We all love the Patriots. We all love the Bruins. We all love the Celtics. Um, In the Northeast, we all loved our college hockey teams because that's the only college sports we really have in the Northeast. But, (laughs) But we all root for the same team and it brings you together and I think having that come back is a good thing. Now, with no fans in the audience, in the stands and things like that, it's a little weird. Um, I think that they took a different approach with baseball. They're actually allowing them to travel a little bit um, to go to the different stadiums and, and still have them, unlike basketball, that are all going to play at Disney World on the same court. And the NFL is going to fix the whole thing because we're going to let fans come back into the state. Yeah, like like very, like 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 a third in most places. It's okay, it's just you know, socially distance. Yeah. Going back to Fauci, I mean. He had, what, 48,000 seats that those three people could have sat in, and they all sat right next to each other. Never mind the mask being down. That wasn't exactly right. socially distanced. Right. Like, you, like, even when I go to a park, I love it when there's two seats on the side of me because I'm a big guy. But, you know, you <laughs> would think they could have put, like, two chairs in between each of them to show social distancing. Right, that they were at least trying. Yeah, I, I, I think the NFL, as, as liberal as they have become, and the commissioner has become, right, the NFL fan... Is an interesting fan. I know we're talking baseball, but it, people need to see with their own eyes that the media has been lying to them. People need to see that, wait a minute, folks are going to a football game and they're not falling over? They're not right. just dying? It's, it's possible to survive this thing? Mm-hmm. Hope needs to come back a little bit. Perspective needs to come back. It's been so imbalanced, right? right. So it's, it's you good. You guys brought up a good point, too, that there hasn't been anything else 
going on for us to talk about because right. people haven't been going anywhere or doing no anything. Movies. So when you right, no movies. So when you talk to friends and family, you've got nothing in common to talk about. I mean, it's just all of these hot button things that are on your mind, and so it's nice to have a break from that. Okay, so let's talk about uh, something else Donald Trump did that I thought was really cool. He sent a personal letter to the widow of Charlie Daniels and said he was a true American patriot. I thought this was nice. He quietly sent this letter. We would never have even known that he sent it, except for uh, his widow did post it for everyone to see. Um, And he sent the letter on July 17th to Hazel Daniels after the July 6th loss of her husband. Um, He died at 83. He had a stroke. They were married for 56 years, which I thought was also really interesting. But he said, Dear Hazel, I was saddened to learn of the loss of your beloved husband, Charlie, and send my deepest condolences. And he will forever be remembered as a true American patriot, and his contributions to country music will be celebrated for generations. So I thought this was nice. You know, you hear a lot about... um, quietly, not a lot about through mainstream media, but you do hear from from individuals that President Trump does a really good job of sending condolences and reaching out to people when they're hurting. Yeah, and it, it's it's not just the condolences when they're hurting. Um, I, I loved when the media during 2016, they would make fun of like, Donald Trump was the, the ultimate sales guy, right? He would cut out the article and he'd say, hey, great to see you in in style, Dr. Fauci, right? And send it to him, right? Mm-hmm. And that's, that is such a how to win friends and influence people. Um, tactic mm-hmm. that sales guy do and and he's just he's been a salesman his entire life that's just what he does he values personal relationships sometimes that gets him in trouble with people like michael cohen and other people but he's he's really somebody that his entire life he's sent personal notes by himself to people so this doesn't surprise me at all and it all comes down to authenticity right you could do something that's good, but if you do it with a wrong heart, it's, it's zero gain in the kingdom of God, right? So he, I believe he does it with sincerity. This is who he is. In nature, he goes, listen, I really value Charlie Daniels. He could probably sit here and tell you, hey, those four Charlie Daniels songs helped me through college, helped me in my, when I, you know, in my dating relationships. And it just, it's sincere. And that's, that's the part of Donald Trump I think people miss, is the behind-the-scenes sincerity, right? Absolutely. I totally agree. All right, when we come back, we're going to get to our poll question from yesterday and then our question for the day, so stick around for that. And I really like today's question. Let's get to our poll question from yesterday. It was, did President Trump make the right move in sending federal agents to Chicago to combat its violent crime epidemic? 93% of you said yes. 7% of you said no. Kind of interesting. Yeah, it, it, it's yes. I'm a libertarian, right? And if, if Donald Trump was really sending people to like grab people off the street and put them in jails, I would be horrified by it. Right. But what my libertarian friends can't answer is, does the federal government have the right to protect its property? And that's what this comes down to. He has sent them in. They, they, in Portland, they are literally trying to get into courthouses as part of their plan to overthrow the government. They tell us they want to overthrow the government. They tell us they want to bring in a communist revolution, right. but we just don't believe them. And I want to get to the question for Monday. <laughs> what is the craziest thing Biden has said? One, kids used to come up and reach in the pool and rub my leg down. Two, poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. Three, if you have a problem figuring out if you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. Uh, so, yeah, really quickly, do you guys have a favorite? <laughs> Man, mine, mine didn't make the list, but I'd probably say, you know, the you ain't black comment. 
you know, I'd say for me, you know, or the kids rubbing my leg, all of it. Can I say all of it? <laughs> yeah. Let's pick the first one, the kids rubbing my leg up and down. The problem is, is we only have three yeah. spots on the question, right? So there's like 150 million other things. The, you know, you, you can't walk in, like I said earlier, you can't walk into a grocery store or a 7-Eleven without seeing any person. There's like a million and a half of them. I can't just pick one. There's just too many. Well, guys, thank you so much. This has been so thank much you. fun. <laughs> yeah, we could talk about those for like another hour. Oh, yeah. Thanks for listening to the news and why it matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.